Good morning, church. I recently had an opportunity to travel from South Africa to the kingdom of Eswatini. And as soon as I crossed the border, we passed from one realm into another. People have five basic needs. The need for love, the need for peace, the need for significance, forgiveness, and enjoyment of life. And I can introduce you today to a realm where all this is possible for, for you right where you are without ever leaving your home. When Jesus began his ministry, the concept of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven wasn't a new one. It was mentioned in the Old Testament, but the fact that Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom of God is among you was different. In the Gospels, John announced the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Matthew 3, 1 through 3, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is an eternally heavenly kingdom coming to earth. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, this was an eternal kingdom and it has an eternal king. But he's not just a king. He is prophesied to be a prophet, a priest, and a king all simultaneously. The prophet was mentioned in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. This is Moses speaking. From your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. For this is what he asked of, this is what you ask of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God nor see his great fire anymore or we will die. The priest is mentioned in Psalms 110 verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, a priest without beginning and without end. The king is in Psalms chapter 2 verses 6 through 8. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask me and I will give the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. And in verse 12, kiss the son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction or his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Jesus came to show us an invisible kingdom. He had to tell stories to use as examples of what was unseen to bring it into the seen world. Every kingdom has a king. The people of Israel wanted a king over them. And when God warned them that what would happen if they rejected his lordship of them, that they would suffer negative consequences. He wanted to be their king. And he knew that he was setting up all of history for the whole world to receive the eternal king of his kingdom. Kings are determined by their lineage then there are royal proclamations, they are anointed, they are given authority and titles. Jesus 
is the king of kings, as there are no kingdoms in this universe with higher authority. The lineage of Jesus and the genealogy of the house of David is found in Matthew through Joseph, ties to the covenant with Abraham and Mary and Luke, all the way back to Adam and Eve, the Adamic covenant, which Jesus fulfilled both of those covenants by his coming. He was born in Bethlehem of Judea in Matthew 2, 6 and Hosea 11, 1 through 2. In Romans 1 through 3, says concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Every king is proclaimed or has a proclamation in Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice, with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. His peace has no end. If we're in his kingdom, we'll have his peace. In Mark 11, 9 through 10, and as Jesus entered Jerusalem, they finally realized that he was the everlasting king. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. In Luke chapter 2, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And at his death on the cross, he was proclaimed the king of the Jews. Every king is anointed in Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. In this we see the Holy Spirit anoints the Son for the Father to take up his Lordship of the eternal kingdom. Authority, every king is given then authority. In John 17, 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. In Luke 17, 20-21, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here he is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom was in their midst, as it is 
ours today. And in his kingdom, all our needs are met. In Second Peter 1, 3-4, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. We're called to his glory, to his excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We can, if we enter into his kingdom, we can become like our king will be, begin to partake of his own divine nature. The closer we are to the king, the more we look like him. And yet some of us are not experiencing this. Jesus spoke often about entering in. He spoke to Nicodemus about how to enter into the kingdom of God. It is a kingdom that must be entered into. If I just looked across the border into Iswatini, I could see it but I wouldn't be in it. So you actually have to cross into that border. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Some have not been born into the kingdom. It is a kingdom of love, there said to him, God so loved the world that he gave his only son to be your king. Jesus spoke always about repentance. It is part of entering in. Some haven't repented. They haven't turned away from things that separate them from God. The ones who did experience deliverance, transformation, love, forgiveness, acceptance and a new life he spoke of belief as a necessity to see the kingdom of god belief in him understanding that he is the king of this domain and why he understanding why he would lay down his life to restore our relationship with god and an understanding and a belief in his word he spoke of obedience to his word not just listening to his word he said also that we need to obey his commands. These things apply to everyone, regardless whether you're outside of his kingdom or in his kingdom. In order to even see his kingdom, there must be repentance, there must be obedience, there must be belief. And within his kingdom, the same applies. You must be born again of water and of the spirit. You're, you're a, your spirit must be transformed by repentance and by believing and accepting and doing the word of the king. These are all things that must happen for us to even see the kingdom of God. We must pass from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. It's a very real border in a very real spiritual realm. Some stand on it, the edge of that border, peering across. You have to enter in. Uh, even once entered, some remain at a distance from their king. But he's always waiting there with open arms. All are welcome. 
in Colossians 1, 13 through 14. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. In Romans 14, 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. God accepts you as you are. He wants to transform your life to what it can be. Everyone is welcome, but not everyone will do what it takes to enter in. Jesus knew that for some there would be hindrances to entering into this unseen kingdom. And so he spoke to them in parables. He spoke a parable about a sower. He said, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. They withered. As soon as the sun arose, they were scorched. Since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then later in Matthew, he explains the parable. He says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So in other words, it's not the word that is the, the issue. It's not the seed. The seed is perfect. It's the word of God. It is the heart on which the seed lands that determines whether it will wither and die, whether it will be snatched away, or whether it will produce fruit. He says, for that which was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet he has no root in himself. So it, it endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This person hears the word of God, but somebody mocks him about his Christian faith and he turns away from Christ. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but he cares of the, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it be cre becomes unfruitful. So this is someone who might um, hear the word, but he's more concerned about what the world thinks than what God thinks. And he's chasing after wealth or position or authority in this world, and he loses his place in the next. But he talks about the one that was sown on good soil. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, as in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. So this is the heart that is open, that accepts the word of God, that when it's planted, he waters it daily in the Word, daily seeking God, daily praying, maintaining that relationship with Christ so that the fruit of the Spirit becomes evident in his life or her life. And it can be 
uh, in different levels of producing fruit, 160 and another 30-fold. God wants us to be fruitful in our lives, in our relationship with Him for His kingdom. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In Matthew, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. You see, everyone is, is welcome, from the child to the adult, from those who are rejected by men, God accepts you and wants to transform your life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There needs to be an evidence of this transformation that happens when you cross into that kingdom. And there is evidence of transformation entering into the kingdom in a person's life that transforms into action. We read about this in Matthew. It says, Before him he gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on his left and then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for i was hungry and you gave me food i was thirsty and you gave me to drink i was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? The king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So you see that even in troubled times, there's no need for anxiety if you are in his kingdom. In Matthew 6, 30, it says, But God has so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Or, where will I get toilet paper? No, I, I put that one in there myself. For all the Gentiles sink after the, seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So how do we enter in? Well, it's by a word of faith. His kingdom is invisible, but it's there. And it's all around you. You can enter in by faith. In Romans 10, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. 
for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. So I invite you today to kiss the sun, to enter in. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word that brings light and hope and darkness. Lord, we pray that those who are outside of this realm will enter in, Lord, through repentance, through your grace, Lord, through faith. And we pray, Lord, that those of us who are in this kingdom will draw nearer to you in this time and realize that you give us everything we need, everything that that we need is found in you and in your kingdom. So we enter in heartily into your word, Lord. We believe it, we receive it, we act upon it. In Jesus' name, amen.